This is the Finding the Founders podcast, episode 19. Hello, Patriots. Welcome to the Finding the Founders podcast. I am your host, Nathan Burr, and I am grateful that you have tuned in. Next Monday is Independence Day, 4th of July, America's 246th birthday, a day that John Adams said in a letter to his wife Abigail, quote, ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward, forevermore. End quote. And yet I'm guessing that many of you are feeling the same sentiment that I am in that you are somewhat torn about the idea of celebrating. You love America. Your heart swells when you see the red, white, and blue. You cherish freedom and all that it entails. But you also see how far our country has strayed from what it was and from what it was intended to be. You look at rampant inflation, insecure borders, Elections we can't trust. A bloated and often corrupt government that encroaches on our freedoms. Supreme courts that have abdicated and arrogated authority throughout the decades instead of being the check and balance that they were intended to be. And then when you look at the ideas of morality and virtue that were so inherent in our founding... And you look at a country that has legally murdered over 60 million babies. That has dedicated a month to celebrating and promoting deviant sexual behavior. It's a wonder sulfur hasn't fallen from the sky upon us. And you look at all these things. And it's easy to be discouraged. And you wonder, this 4th of July, should we celebrate what often feels like independence in name only? What feels like a shadow of the real thing? Or should we lament what what it has become and what it is not? That's the question I want to start this episode by addressing. And I want to lead then into, a, into what I think our response ought to be. I think of almost everything in, in terms of some sort of sports metaphor. And I look at our country, and I think of a football team that jumped out to a 21-0 first quarter lead. They were running trick plays, and, and they were running their bread and butter plays, and everything was working, the crowd was going wild. It was spectacular. Marching band was playing. It was, it was a party. 
And then over the next few quarters, they started to get complacent. They started to rest on their laurels a little bit. They started to make some mistakes. And a very determined and, and fierce opponent started making some big plays. And the end result is that late in the fourth quarter, that team that was up 21-0 is now trailing and is in danger of losing the game. It would seem awfully silly to be a fan in those stands watching this happen and standing up late in the game with your team behind, yelling and cheering because you were ahead 21 to nothing. And yet, it was that 21 to nothing lead, it was that incredible foundation at the beginning that enables that team to still be in the game. And it was some good plays after the first quarter. A long pass to set up a field goal, maybe another field goal right at the end of half that was that was long and was kind of unexpected. A couple of big stops by the defense to, to keep you in the game. The metaphor, by the way, would be those members of our government who are standing up and fighting for a constitutional government as it was intended to be would be the, the courts that have very recently made some very good, very constitutional rulings. The people, the millions of people in this country who do still hold American values and who do want to fight for this country and for all that it entails. We've made some good plays, this team has, and they're still in the game, and they still have a fighting chance. So the question is, what should that team do? It's a two-minute warning. Two minutes left in the game, down a touchdown. What do you do? Do you sit there and celebrate all the good things that happened? Do you sit there and bemoan all the bad things that have happened and the fact that you're now down by a touchdown? Or do you look back and see what was working in that first quarter? What did we have going for us? What was successful? And then dedicate yourselves to getting back to it. To dedicate yourselves to finishing the game the way you started. Transitioning out of the metaphor, my challenge in this episode is that we would embrace the spirit of 76. That sounds like a cute little slogan and a, and a fun talking point. What does it really mean? Let me give us three practical ways, fairly simple ways, that we can embrace the spirit of 76, that we can get back to what was working in the first quarter, so to speak, and hopefully pull out a victory late in the game. The first thing we can do is pray. I want to challenge each of you to pray every single day for America. 235 years ago today, June 28, 1787, the Constitutional Convention was in a mess. America had won its independence, but the Articles of Confederation that were tying these colonies together was leading to all sorts of problems, and they had gathered together to try to figure out a unified constitution, and it wasn't working because everybody had their different ideas and wasn't willing to compromise, and it was in danger of dissolving. 
and Benjamin Franklin, probably the most secular, least religious of the founding fathers, said the following. In the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible of danger, we had daily prayer in this room for the divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of a superintending providence in our favor. To that kind providence we owe this happy opportunity of consulting in peace on the means of establishing our future national felicity. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend? Or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings, that, except the Lord build, they labor in vain that build it. I would suggest to you that two and a third centuries later, we have, as a country, forgotten that powerful friend. We imagine that we no longer need his assistance. Europe's being overrun by socialism. They need help. Those, those poor, pathetic people in, in Southeast Asia who are subject to all these communist governments, they need help. This is America. We've won our independence. We're free. We're good. Or we've gotten this idea in our heads that as Christians, we're supposed to be focused on spiritual things, and the well-being of America is a secular thing, and we wouldn't want wouldn't to devote the sacred to the secular. And I can't help but wonder if America is in such a mess right now because so many Christians have punted on praying for this country and have gotten complacent or have gotten deluded into thinking we ought not be praying for the well-being of our country. So I want to challenge you to pray. Pray that God would raise up good leaders. Pray that he would give our leaders wisdom, diligence, integrity, and the courage of sound convictions. Pray that he would thwart wicked and foolish leaders and their wicked and foolish, even though sometimes well-meaning, plans. Pray for revival across this country. Pray that God would win people to faith in Jesus Christ, that he would turn them from wicked ways to following his way. But then pray for Christians who have been won over to the gospel, who still believe some of these ridiculous liberal and socialist philosophies. They have been deluded. They have been deceived. Pray for them. Pray against the wickedness in general. Pray for freedom to be preserved. Pray that our Constitution, which is that brilliant document that 21-point lead that is standing in the gap for us right now. It's being attacked. Our Bill of Rights are being assaulted. Pray that it will hold. Pray for judges to continue to make rulings like they recently did in the Dobbs case to overturn the abomination of Roe v. Wade. Pray, pray, pray. Prayer is not a last resort, something we do when all else fails. Prayer for the Christian ought to be our first method of battle. I challenge you, pray every day for America. Second, find some way to get involved. You don't have to make a huge time commitment of X hours a week. You don't have to run for office. Although I will say there's a lot of school boards and city councils and county supervisor boards where people run unopposed. 
where the average person doesn't even know what they're doing, what decisions they're making, what they're allowing, what's being impacted. Find out. If it's, if it's up your alley, consider running for one of those small positions with such big importance. Maybe you're not going to run. That's not for everybody. Maybe you're going to support somebody who does or support an important issue. Make some phone calls, knock on doors, send out flyers, provide uh, administrative or logistical support in some way. Maybe it's going to be educating yourself on an issue. You're pro-Second Amendment, but you have trouble debating the finer points with somebody. You're pro-life, but don't know how to answer some of the challenges that the pro-choice movement makes, etc., etc. Educate yourself. Maybe buy or find online a copy of the Constitution and read it carefully. Chew on it. Ponder it. Understand what our country is supposed to be and how it is supposed to work. And then engage in discussions with your neighbors, with your family, co-workers, friends. I know, politics is supposed to be taboo. Whose idea do you think it is that we're not supposed to talk about religion, our spiritual beliefs, and politics, our uh, beliefs about how our country runs and how it operates and what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. We're not supposed to talk about those two things in polite settings. Whose idea do you think that is? Use your talents. I, I write, I talk, I, I use words. This is an ability I think God has given me. Those of you who listen to me stammer on here sometimes might, might beg to differ, but I think that's a gift I have. I try to use that. That's why I'm doing this podcast. That's why I've written uh, the book Rights Are Wrong. That's why I do these things. Find your talent, your gift, your ability, and use it. Find some way to get involved. It doesn't have to be huge. Do a little something. And if everybody does something, everybody does what they can, it'll make a difference. The third thing, celebrate our independence. Not ignorantly or dismissively. Not, not ignoring the fact that things are, are, are bad. Not ignoring the problems. Not pretending everything's hunky-dory. Who says hunky-dory anymore? Be conscious of the gravity of the situation. But celebrate our independence. Do it to inspire us and others with the values and virtues that gave us something to celebrate in the first place. Celebrate what Samuel Adams called this animating contest of freedom and cherish what we do still have, a fighting chance. A lot of countries don't have that. A lot of people throughout the course of history don't have that. They got blown out 56 to 3. We had a great first quarter. We've made some really great plays since then, and we're still in the game in the fourth quarter. Celebrate what we have and the opportunity we have before us. Pray. Find some way to get involved. And celebrate Independence Day. Not just on the 4th of July, but every day. The beginning of this episode, I mentioned John Adams writing a letter to his wife Abigail. By the way, how many of you guys write your wife's letters I quoted from that letter, and I want to close by quoting from it again. These are the words of John Adams. You will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. 
I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that the end is more than worth all the means, and that posterity will triumph in that day's transaction, even though we should rue it, which I trust in God we shall not.